0: Hi, I'm Emma, and I'm starting over yet again.
1: (laughs) And I'm Shannon, and just like Gwyneth Paltrow, I also suffer from high self-esteem, which is a lie. That's That's actually my first problem. (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh, I wish, right?
1: I know. The concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore.
0: I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you $100 if you say something bitchy about someone we know.
1: Let's bullshit!
0: Um, What we're talking about today is Carrie's aversion to therapy and the aversion to therapy in general and all the negative stigma associated with seeking professional self-help and emotional support. Um, This is obviously a theme that's like really stuck out to me in these past 20 years of watching Sex in the City. I recognize that there's been a lot of change with this, including the use of the word shrink. So we're going to get into that. Um, but before we start, Shannon, have you ever purchased a self-help book?
1: Yeah, I, really, I was really trying to think about this. And I think, like, the only self-help-ish book that I've purchased is one of Brene Brown's books about, like, vulnerability and empathy and that kind of thing. Um and then I think I took out a book from Elizabeth Gilbert from the library that was about like creativity, like her book, um, Big Magic. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not typically really drawn to the kind of books that are like, this is how you fix your life. Um, I think in particular, like those books kind of like really drew me Um when i was like really struggling with my own emotional like literacy of myself <laughs> in my mm-hmm. early 20s and i was really i struggled a lot with anxiety and just like not understanding what that was or how to deal with it so i kind of i i did seek like some some books to kind of help me help me understand that i guess a little bit in in a less like confrontational way than like going to therapy would have been Um, but yeah, I, I was looking up some like popular titles of like, what, what's a popular like self-help book now. And it's really interesting. And I, I wonder how this would have changed since, you know the the early odds, like late '90s when the show was premiering, but um, yeah, like there's so many titles, like how to get your shit together, like how to not give a fuck, like how you're a badass, make your bed, how to like have better habits, um, and then of course my personal favorite, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life, <laughs> which should just be burned in a fire, but.
0: Oh my gosh. 100%. I wonder like some of these titles to kind of give me some early like girl boss vibes. Like, I feel like this is the beginning of that sort of wave of feminism. Like you can be your own boss and like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So it is. Yeah. I also, I agree with you. Like I'm not super drawn to these titles as well. Like while, some, while I do consider myself someone to be like, interested in relationships and dating. And of course, that's why I love Sex in the City so much. Um, I haven't really read any, like, dating self-help books. However, um, one time in book club, a friend picked The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which is essentially a self-help book. Um, and it was actually an incredible pick because... <laughs> we were kind of like, this is a bad book club pick. Like, this is not fiction. Like, it's, you know, like, what are we even going to talk about? And it actually turned out to be one of the most interesting conversations we've ever had. Um, Because, like I said, that book is essentially a self-help book. It's, Mm. It's how do you, like, take these things that don't serve you anymore, like emotionally and physically, and, like, get rid of them. And I remember reading that book and... I, I'm not a person that holds emotional attachment to things or physical objects. And I remember reading that book and kind of being like, oh yeah, easily. I could throw that out easily. Don't care. Get rid of it. Like I'll sell all my stuff and move. However, there's one chapter in that book that talks about like keeping uh, personal mementos and photos and notes and letters, like those kinds of things from exes or from, potentially like old toxic friends or people that aren't in your life anymore, that kind of stuff. And it's, (laughs) I can't remember exactly what it said, but basically like burn them, like get rid of it. That doesn't serve you like very similar mentality to the physical objects. And that's where I was like, absolutely not. I can't get rid of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I just like, there's something about that sort of, I think that I don't come across this way, but I think I am a very sentimental person And it's like, like I said, not the physical objects that keep me, but it's like the words and the feelings. And that's Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I disagree with you, Marie Kondo. I will not get rid of that stuff.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. I so first I did have a bonfire after my first like major breakup of like all of that stuff and it was quite healing um <laughs> I, did, I did really like that and by bonfire I mean like I took like a small match and like lit a couple of notes on, on fire, <laughs> including a very famous post-it note that was a Christmas gift um yes <laughs> but um <laughs> I think I've read the highlights of Marie Kondo's book because I've always been like a pretty tidy person. So I was like, what advice could this impart on my life? But I remember one highlight um, that was, she was mentioning like how to let go of something very sentimental to you and she mentions like speaking to it like you you tell it like thank you so much for all of the all of the joy memories whatever um that specific sentimental object has given you and then telling it like i'm going to set you free now and i read that and i was like yeah oh mm. and then i tried it and it actually worked <laughs>
0: It's, it's funny because it seems very silly. And when you're reading it, like, I do remember another part where it's like, when you walk into your home, you always like greet your home. Like you're like, hello house, like, thank you. And like, which when you're reading it and when you think about it is kind of silly, but I do think that there's something like really healing about being grateful for the things that you do have and sort of acknowledging their presence. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was interesting. Like I said, it was a very interesting book club pick because we very much went into it with like, why would you pick this for a book club? And then went out of it with a lot of like good information. Um, and like, I I still think about that all the time. Like I think about that book all the time. And there's been plenty other book club books that I just, you know, I forgot everything that happened in them. <laughs> but it is interesting and we'll get into the topic right away here, but one of my best friends refused to read it because she knows that she's a hoarder and she actually like couldn't take the step to like acknowledge her problem, which Mm -hmm. is kind of, I'm not going to get into too much personal detail, but kind of what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Um, Just sort of that like refusal to acknowledge that there could be anything potentially wrong with you, which we see in carry is a constant problem, <laughs> <laughs> um, which leads us to the first episode that we're talking about today. So it's season two, episode 13, Games People Play. So this is one of the earlier episodes. Of course, it has the weird talking head interviews. It's one of the classic, one of those. Um, Samantha, Miranda and Charlotte are just sick of listening to Carrie talking about big after they break up. So they suggest that she see a shrink to which, of course, Carrie has like an incredible amount of judgment, even for her own friend. She says to Miranda, like, I understand why you see a shrink. You're always all in your head and everything, but I'm a solve your own problems kind of gal. She says some really awful things to her friends in this conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she also, so eventually she agrees, uh, to see the therapist. She gets in with Dr. G who's like the hottest therapist in town, I guess. Um, and meets Seth, John Bon Jovi in the waiting room and ends up going on a few dates with him. Uh, also in this episode, Miranda flirts with the man in the apartment across the street, flashing one of her boobs at him. Um, only to find out later that he's cruising the guy who lives beneath her. Uh, Samantha's dates Don, the sports guy, after attending sports night, which upon (laughs) rewatch, I just thought it was so funny that it was called sports night. I feel like that's very much written by someone who doesn't like sports.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah i can see that for sure and like also very culturally specific because like new york in particular has multiple sports teams i don't i don't know very much about sports and like the seasons and you know when baseball starts and basketball and all that kind of stuff but um yeah i think that's also really curious because you clearly like there's lots happening whereas you know if this was here in canada it would probably just be hockey that well, that's people cared about.
0: One well, also, this is getting a little sidetracked, but also it sounds <laughs> to me it sounds like I wrote it. Like I'm like, oh, like I said to my girlfriend, oh, are sports on tonight? But that's not even the thing. I would be like, are the Oilers playing? And I feel like mm-hmm. when I've seen like themed nights, it's like, uh, you know, it would be like, oh, next night you get you buy a beer, get a beer or something. Like I am not a sports expert, but to me, sports night sounds like it was written by me, <laughs> which I just thought was very funny. Um, But, (laughs) but of course, Samantha dates this guy and she gets laid when the Knicks win. So she's very excited about that. Um, And then eventually at the closer to the end of the episode, after Carrie sleeps with Seth, he admits that after he sleeps with women, he loses interest. And that's the reason he's seeing Dr. G and, you know, the reason he's in therapy. I'm sure it's deeper than that, but That's what he says to her. And Carrie kind of seems to have this like breakthrough moment. She rolls over in the bed and she's like, I do choose the wrong men. And I feel like this is where the episode should have ended. Hmm. (laughs) So eventually near the very end, she puts on her quote unquote bad music, Um, not bad music. (laughs) But anyways, she decides not to pursue therapy further partly because she's afraid of seeing Seth in the waiting room, but mostly I think she kind of has this air like therapy wasn't for me. I tried it out and that's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, it's one of those episodes in sex in the city that I feel like it was headed in a really interesting direction. And of course, like I said, it was a, and like, we know it was a different time. I feel like it was headed in the right direction. Like when Carrie, like, rolls over and has this sort of breakthrough moment and realizes she's like, maybe I do choose the wrong men.
1: And then it sort of like takes
0: another few steps back where she decides it's not for her anymore. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I would have loved for her to just like, you know, go one step further and ask like, why, (laughs) why do you choose the wrong men? Like what, what attracts you to like, what are the, things that they have in common like aside from her i thought you know that's a very shallow i don't know read from her therapist who is like maybe the thing they have in common is you you're choosing them which yes yes (laughs) but yeah i don't know i would have loved for for her to go i think one step further and i like i don't i don't agree with carrie's perspective on therapy here Personally, I don't. Um, but I think I understand, like, where she's coming from. And I do think that this kind of reflects, like, an older, more heavily stigmatized view of therapy. And, of course, it is still stigmatized and as is me- mental health. But I, like you said earlier, like, I think there is kind of a shifting conversation around that. But I can understand why she would have that mentality of, like, oh, I, like, Therapy is for people that can't solve their own problems. I can solve my own problems. Like, this isn't something that I need. And I do actually kind of like that, you know, even though it's quite frustrating to see her deny therapy and think, like, this isn't for me, this isn't like the kind of thing. It is kind of interesting how she's positioned in contrast to all of her friends who are like, no, this is like a legitimate thing to do. I have multiple therapists who are like, I've been going for many years. Like, this is something that's completely normal and fine. And I like how when she's having that initial conversation with them, she kind of seems like the odd one out in a way.
0: That's, yeah, that's absolutely true. And they even mentioned like in the voiceover that almost everyone in New York has a therapist. Of course, even Gwyneth Paltrow has a therapist. It's like, you're absolutely right. The way they position her is that she is the odd one. Also, (laughs) Charlotte was a little bit of an odd one because she said that like the York family just solves everything with physical exercise, which is why they're such great tennis players, which is a line that was just quite funny.
1: (laughs) Yes, especially given later episodes that heavily feature tennis. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's a bit of an ongoing uh, symbol. But, of course, this is pre pre Um But, yeah, I think this is an interesting episode. They sort of um, compare, like, Carrie sort of settles on this idea that Big was playing games with her. Um, but also refuses to acknowledge that she was taking part in those games. Like even when she's having that one-on-one conversation with the therapist, but Shannon, do you want to share your fun fact?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know this. Um, until literally an hour ago. But the title of the episode is based on a 1964 best-selling psychology book called Games People Play, The Psychology of Human Relationships, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, And, I mean... I I don't know how well a book from 1964 would hold up today, but like the entire kind of ethos of that was understanding people through their social interactions and kind of boiling it down to like a few different kinds of social interactions and the roles that people play in those interactions inform how they carry out. And then this book in particular has like a whole bunch of different games um one of them is called alcoholism or the alcohol game which i don't think (laughs) sounds very
0: fun (laughs) what what does the game entail
1: i think someone's an alcoholic that doesn't that doesn't sound like a good game to play i don't know i have a very very uh like low level understanding of this branch of psychology. But I thought that that was kind of interesting that, that it came from this book that really sees like human relationships as the key to understanding people and, and who they are and how they, um, how they develop.
0: Well, it is interesting to see. I mean, I am an extremely low level, like understander, understander is that a word? I guess so. It is is now. now. (laughs) Yeah. Like I have very little understanding, I'll say that, of psychology. I took like psychology 101 in university and did okay. Uh, (laughs) But I will say it is interesting to see how much it has changed because I feel like there is a lot of knowledge that we have about other sort of medical sciences that Has changed and advanced in a lot of ways, but generally like human biology, all those things, you know, are pretty much the same or we have a similar understanding, but psychology and the understanding of like how we interact with each other and how we form these sort of relationships with ourselves has changed like an incredible amount. It kind of reminds me of this game that my friend has from the 80s. It's like a board game called Psychologizer. And it's actually a really cool game. We should, (laughs) we should play it sometime. But, uh, Basically the premise of the game is you're trying to guess how your friends would respond in a certain situation. And then you get, you know, points if you guess correctly and they answer the questions themselves. However, the questions are like incredibly outdated and it makes for quite a fun time. Um, But overall, yeah, it's just, it's kind of an interesting, like we see this huge shift in Like you said, of course, there's still sort of negative stigma associated with seeking professional help and mental health in general, um, but not quite to the same degree as we see in this show Mm -hmm. uh, and other media like it. And it's interesting, too, like you and I kind of talked when we were watching the episode about the word shrink itself, (laughs) because, of course, that's an incredibly outdated term. And I was interested to see where it came from. So according to nyctherapy.com, which I feel like is closely related (laughs) to our show that we're watching, the word shrink comes from head shrinkage, which refers to the ancient practice of shrinking the head of a conquered enemy. I don't know how accurate that information is, um, but... Either way, the term is outdated, much like having that shame that's associated with seeking therapy.
1: I'm curious what the practice of shrinking would be. Is that a physical shrinkage of the head, like a small head, or is that an ego thing? Very interesting.
0: I feel like if they're saying of a conquered enemy, maybe I need to dive deeper into this shrink thing, but...
1: Maybe it's both. Maybe like you physically shrink the head of your conquered enemy, but then also like their ego is like, you know, reduced (laughs) down because they were conquered.
0: (laughs) It's multifaceted. I see. I see.
1: (laughs) That's weird how that connects though to, to shrink. And that, that is weird to like, cause I've never, I've never said, oh, my shrink. Like, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting how that, it seems to be a very particular word at, used very popularly at a specific point in time Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and like I also feel
0: like around this time and this is purely anecdotal but I do feel like there were there was a lot of media about people uh seeking therapy and sort of that being a negative thing or um I remember reading I really liked the book Was it The Perks of Being a Wallflower? Like there was, there were a lot of books and also the movie Running With Scissors, which is also based on a book. But I feel like this is around the same time period where it was almost kind of like, I don't want to say cool, but it was a little bit trendy to see these sort of like kooky quote unquote characters suffer from these like deep, deep psychological issues. And they sort of like turn that into this like fun and cute story. Anyways, that's probably a whole other issue. (laughs) But I do feel like that was around of the same time, like the shrink, like the shrink is sort of seen as not someone to help you, but it's sort of seen as like, I mean, of course, somebody to help you, but it's sort of seen as like if you have a psychologist or if you have um, a psychiatrist, like if you seek any sort of like professional help, then you are an outcast. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was very much like played upon in media at this time.
1: Yeah, I think there, there could be too. Um, psychology, just from the little that I know about it, has historically been kind of an underestimated, uh, like stigmatized science or social science. So mm-hmm. like to, to invest in therapy, I can see how some of those uh, tropes and stereotypes of what it means to like seek therapy or seek counseling Um, it comes it also comes back to just like not seeing psychology as a legitimate science and way of understanding Mm -hmm. people and and how they behave (laughs) and of course there's there's so many psychologists and reasonings that are uh, like uh, very very interesting theories I guess Um, but yeah there's also kind of this mistrust of that as a legitimate science to help somebody as well absolutely
0: yeah 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 no you're absolutely right that sort of like mysticism almost of like the psychologist or the shrink it's almost like and thank god that things have changed (laughs) otherwise i would have never seen a therapist in my whole life um but yeah it's it was an interesting time for sure Another episode I wanted to bring up today was season 5 episode 4 which was Cover Girl which is an iconic episode for a lot of reasons. Um this is the episode where Carrie and Samantha face some challenges in their friendship when Carrie hires well hires quote unquote for a few martinis and a lunch Samantha to help with her book cover but also walks in on her with the worldwide express guy. Um Lots of book talk, of course, in this episode, the friends visit a bookstore together where Carrie makes super harsh judgments on each other's covers, not each other's, sorry, on covers of other books. She's like, loser, like degenerate. She says like all these really horrible things. And literally the book covers are just like a picture of them, (laughs) which I'm like, wow, okay, that's mean. Um... (laughs) But what really stuck out to me in this episode was actually Charlotte, um, post-Trey breakup, obviously an incredibly difficult and heartbreaking time in her life, um, heard about this book called Starting Over Yet Again. Um, But in the aisle, she absolutely cannot bear the thought that she belongs there, seeing a woman crying and kind of just like removes herself from the aisle and is like i don't belong here Uh, but she ends up ordering the book on amazon also in this episode miranda looks for resources to lose her baby weight uh, but ends up at weight watchers and meets a guy there Um, honorable mention as well which we just thought of right before we recorded this but charlotte and carrie in season five episode two when they go to the self-help seminar again, well, this is pre this episode when Charlotte is trying to deal with this huge loss in her life. And what, what, do, what does the person say to her?
1: So Charlotte, um, Charlotte's asking, like, I, I'm doing everything that you're telling me, like, i I think, I think it was a book for, like, this person mm-hmm. on stage delivering the seminar, um, clearly had some sort of reading material that Charlotte had done and Charlotte was saying I'm, I'm doing everything you say like I'm setting my intentions like I'm really trying hard to believe but like I'm not meeting anyone I'm not finding like another guy I'm, I'm finding it really really difficult to believe that there's going to be another guy out there for me after like I lost a really big part of my life a, a huge love for me and then this seminar person um <laughs> just says maybe you're not trying hard enough <laughs> which is horrible. And yeah, I just, I think that that's such, yeah, I think that's a a horrible response to, to somebody, but
0: it's not only a horrible response, but like really embarrassing and shameful, like not only, you know, a horrible response to somebody who is seeking your help and is hurting and looking for guidance, but you literally just said this awful thing to her in front of this huge room of people like it's just yeah it's it's wacky the sort of like it's sort of this like shame that's put upon charlotte this like fear and because you know she she mentions it in like she issues therapy for physical exercise like the tennis thing (laughs) of course tennis keeps coming back um but she like really looks at this like self-help thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So I just thinking about this, like, you know, also going back to one of Carrie, one of Carrie's great lines from the the previous episode we just talked about. Um, Carrie says that therapy is for people who can't solve their own problems. And I think that that connects to this really like individualized capitalist kind of take on therapy which mm-hmm. enables those people that really buy into that to turn to someone who's peddling like a self-help book or a self-help seminar and they don't make that connection that you're still paying for someone else to like help you through whatever you're struggling with and then it also comes back to this idea of like well if you can't follow this advice in this book or the seminar, like well enough, then that's your own shit. Like it has nothing to do with me. Like my advice is perfect. This is your, like, you're not doing it good enough. So there's kind of this really horrible feedback loop as well of just like, not like not being able to move beyond seeing like yourself as like the source of your problems and being able to solve them. And that's really like what, therapy is it's like the space and the tools and and you know another person to help you process and like be able to to tackle really tough things in your life or gain emotional literacy or like whatever whatever trauma or obstacle you're overcoming like that that is that is what that is so i think it's really yeah it's really interesting how hard charlotte goes for this really individualized look at therapy of like, I will buy a book to solve my problem, or I will go to the seminar and I'll be fixed.
0: Well, and it's really interesting to point that out too, because like, of course, you're going to have an aversion to therapy. Of course, you're not going to want to go to therapy if you're receiving sort of information from this, I keep seminar lady, but but what's a better word? (laughs)
1: she was kind of a Karen like I don't I don't know maybe a Susan maybe a a Debbie I don't know
0: yeah I can't I can't see Susan in a negative light because that's my partner's mother's name and I love her to death so not a Susan maybe a Debbie I could see a Debbie for sure Um, But it is kind of interesting because, of course, if you're being fed this sort of information, that's like, well, it's your fault. You're choosing the wrong men or you haven't been, um, you know, like reading the manifestations properly or like you just aren't trying hard enough. Of course, you're not going to want to go to therapy. Of course, you're not going to want to seek that external help. So while it's easy for me to sit here and shit on Carrie for having this sort of aversion to therapy... I was the exact same person, like almost. And I, I kind of talk about this or I'll kind of like get into this. But basically when I saw Charlotte sort of like fear of being like the sad woman, like when she's in the bookshop, she sees the woman crying and she's like, that's not me. She's on. And so she, of course, goes to Amazon in its very early days. Be, remember? Do you remember when Amazon was just a bookstore?
1: <laughs> i think i repressed it but I mean, that was that was brought back to mind <laughs> yeah. Well watching this episode very shocking shocking
0: it is shocking <laughs> it is um but of course yeah charlotte and amazon early on the algorithm is like these books you might be interested in as well and charlotte looks at the book titles and some of them are so funny i can't even remember what they are but She's like, that's not me. That's not me. And she like really fears, even though she's going through this incredibly traumatic and difficult breakup, which is a huge part of her life. She like refuses to sort of align herself with this persona being a sad woman, which I find highly relatable in a lot of ways. I'll try not to get too personal, but (laughs) in my twenties, and when I typed this out in the notes, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm 30. Like, I know I'm 30. I've been 30 for seven months now, but I don't think it like really hit me that I'm not in my twenties anymore until I typed that out. (laughs) But I think in my twenties, I was, I don't know how this started, but I was often seen as like the cool girl. Like I, like it, I had people tell me like, Oh, my ex was crazy. Quote unquote but like, you're just so cool and stuff. And I, I don't know how it started, but I always sort of like felt this pressure to like live up to that expectation. So I felt this pressure pressure to sort of like, not share any real emotion or like, if I was upset about something like I just wouldn't share it or like really like give up that part of me. Um, Particularly, I look back on a long-term relationship of my own that was definitely doomed to fail for many reasons. But I think the main reason is really that we were young, we were naive, and we both failed to acknowledge that we had faults. And I think that at the time, like Carrie, I thought I was the poof in the relationship. And I love this. I think this is so funny when she's like talking with her friends at the beginning of... um, the like games people play she's she's talking about her and big and she's basically like she's like I was the poof he I have more poof in one finger than he'll ever have in his entire life and she says all this stuff and for some reason I like really believed that about myself like I really believed that I had no problems and I did I made no mistakes and I did no wrong in that relationship um Like Carrie, I like refused to acknowledge that I had any sort of part in that breakup. And it wasn't until much later when I started to sort of break down my own emotional um, barriers with therapy and my emotional barriers with mental illness that, you know, I realized that I have experienced depression and anxiety like pretty much since I was a teenager um, and my failure to see that and my failure to recognize that like doesn't help in dating and relationships. And, you know, as RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> so, yeah, I just seeing like Charlotte being afraid to be that sad woman and seeing Carrie be like, well, I, I don't make any mistakes, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's really easy for me to sit back now. And, and, you know, sort of like take that in a way that's like, oh, well, that's just go see a therapist. But I can also like really appreciate that it's hard to break down that barrier, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it that that makes so much sense. And I think that that speaks to like how deeply ingrained some of those ideas are like this um aversion for for many women specifically to to not be seen as that sad like single lonely woman you know in at a certain age um which i'm sure charlotte is is quite beautiful of after I'm um, going through a divorce and yeah just that idea of like uh I, I'm not the problem. I not being able to see, like, how, how you yourself, like, are able, like, contribute to your relationships. Um, Yeah, like, I, personally, I had this idea for a long time, like, I could solve all my own problems, like, and I never disparaged anybody else for going to therapy. But like therapy as a teenager was like threatened at me like multiple times for multiple reasons. Like if you don't, you know, change this thing that you're doing, like you're going to go to therapy. And that that was a threat. Like it wasn't, it wasn't helpful. It was um, something to, to fear. And for a long time, I was like, like I struggled with anxiety and depression, of course, like all throughout like high school and in university as well. And I just kept thinking like, oh, like, no, I can get out of this. Like, I it just like, I can do this. Like, you know, I, I don't need therapy. Like, I, I got this. I can figure this out. Um, I can talk myself through this. Like, uh, I can see it. I can see myself like <laughs> helping myself. And like I stayed in that like kind of cyclical thinking for so long. And I'm sure that that like really played out in like many relationships that I had of just, yeah. Like not being able to, to process and like have those tools to sort through some of those like complex relationships and like how I was acting in them as well. Well, it's, it's
0: so interesting. Like I completely relate. Like it's so easy to convince yourself that you don't need it or easy to convince yourself that like, Oh, it's something else. Like how, I finally discovered that therapy might be a beneficial thing and not this sort of like threat that was imposed on you or this sort of like scary thing that people think it is. Um, I basically like removed a lot of like quote unquote negative factors that it basically like this, (laughs) the advice of Charlotte that's like, just get some physical exercise. So I was like, okay. So I exercised five times a week. I like, Um, Like, you know, watch what I was eating and not in a super negative way, but just like kept a more of an eye on like eating foods with more nutrients. And like I went off birth control, which is another big like thing that's blamed for, you know, (laughs) having mood swings and all those kinds of things. Like I stopped drinking for six months. I did all these things like that you know people tell you to do this is why you feel this way and it was finally when I did like all of those things that I was like this is still here and this is still a part of me and this isn't like <laughs> you know it's not because I didn't exercise enough it's not because of my birth control like that like I had to like finally acknowledge and step up and like realize you might need some actual professional help and I have been absolutely blessed by my doctor and my psychologist, they're incredible. I didn't have the same experience as Carrie where she didn't quite vibe with her therapist the first time, but I know that that's an incredibly normal thing and you just kind of have to keep trying. Um, But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I went on a bit of a tangent there, but basically it's like, it's something that needs to be normalized. It's still an issue, but at this time, Well, I guess like you pointed out, like it was still, you know, almost everyone in New York had a, had a therapist and Carrie was sort of the odd one out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like even just, um, I noticed now, and I'm curious how this would impact, I think Charlotte in particular, but even now, like there's been such a culture shift around, so many aspects of therapy and specifically like Instagram therapy, <laughs> mm. um, like those infographics that are like, this is, this is somebody like with anxiety. These are all the problems that you have or like breaking down more complex, um, like psychological, uh, Things Like, for example, attachment theory is something that I found really helpful to to understand about, like, myself and and others. But, like, I've seen Instagram graphics that, like, break down attachment theory into, like, a really digestible, like, almost oversimplified way for lots of people to consume um, through social media. So I also feel like there's there's a, a language shift around some of these ideas and, like, how easily accessible they are. But of course, like, please, nobody, nobody listening to this, please treat Instagram like your therapist. That is not, no, no that's not good. You, you bring up such a good point
0: in that those sorts of things can be really helpful tools in your own journey and like discovering like what might be ailing you or like if you relate to certain things that are related to certain disorders, like that could be a really good step is like looking at Instagram and looking to online communities to sort of discover that for yourself. However, <laughs> I think, is, you know, there's a problem of people diagnosing themselves with these and then it kind of leads back to that sort of I can solve my own problems thing. So I wonder if it's even having a like circular effect. <laughs> where people are like oh well maybe I do have depression or maybe I do have anxiety but I can solve it so it's almost in some ways almost feels like it's going backwards
1: (laughs) yes it's yes there you must there must be more I guess to that than yeah just going on Instagram or WebMD or something and (laughs) self-diagnosing oh my gosh yeah, I fear yeah. if you're, if you're Charlotte might be somebody that could fall into that. <laughs> I could see
0: that for sure. And there is a lot, I mean, we didn't even talk about the movie or and just like that, but there are some really great examples of the other characters in therapy, like in the Sex and the City movie, of course, where Miranda and Steve and their therapist is amazing advice. And that's like a really positive experience about therapy. And I think in, in just like that... I'm drawing a blank. I, I don't know if they actually showed anyone in therapy. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Um, but they're still like in and just like that. Carrie is going through this incredible loss and grief. This is literally the perfect time to seek out a therapist. However, <laughs> still still not not a thing. Not a thing just going back to her friends, which that's not to say that you can't share your feelings with your friends or rely on your friends for emotional support. That's, that's not to say that, but as, as Samantha says, like, sometimes it's blind leading the blind. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. I love that line so much. She's like, honey, we're just as fucked up as you are. Like, <laughs> and that's why they all seek therapy. And it's, like i said like of course you you're going to rely on your friends for emotional support but i think to like truly acknowledge um grief or loss or trauma or even just general like b- getting comfortable with yourself and knowing who you are like you you need professional help your friends aren't therapists <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it it can be like so tough, you know, like you're, you're a fish in a bowl, right? Like it's really hard to like see yourself as that fish, (laughs) like know that you're in water, you know, like it's, it's really difficult without, you know, somebody else to help you process that and help give you the tools to be able to like recognize like certain behavioral patterns or tools to like help counteract, I don't know, certain habits it's just really helpful to have somebody that can offer a more objective perspective on what you're struggling with and what you're going through because it's just so hard to to see that for yourself sometimes and even to bounce that off of your friends like yeah like Samantha says we don't know <laughs> we have no idea
0: <laughs> but yeah i love what you say um especially about the tools because it's not necessarily like Yes, of course, you can chat with your friends and that makes you feel better. But I mean, what therapy does is it sets you up with those tools and like sort of hones that in on how to deal with stuff when it comes up, because it's going to come up, it's going to happen. Life throws curveballs at you all the time. So yeah, it's just kind of like, Carrie needs a therapist. (laughs) All in all, I'm actually firmly of the belief, and I tell this to everybody, that we should be getting, like, and I'm not a person who gets a checkup once a year, but I know I'm supposed to get a physical checkup once a year. And I also think we need, like, an emotional checkup once a year. I think that we should get once a year, like, free therapist appointment. But anyways.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the accessibility of therapy is another awful and enormous conversation to have and only awful because the accessibility is awful (laughs) it's not very accessible for a lot of people and it it can be so tough to find like a good fit and somebody that understands you and um you know therapists as well just like doctors can have like really stigmatized uh harmful uh, advice or help or perspectives on on what people are going through so even just that journey of finding a good fit can be extremely inaccessible for for many people
0: yeah and you bring up a good point like the elitism of therapy especially in that episode with carrie even bringing up like even gwyneth paltrow has a therapist i love that we keep coming back to that Um, (laughs) but yeah it is very much they talk about how much it costs and how they make jokes at the expense of how expensive it is to go to therapy and all these things and it is very much And Carrie calls it self-indulgent. Like she calls Mm -hmm. it almost like it's like a piece of like decadent chocolate cake. Like it's like it's she believes that it's this sort of like self-indulgent behavior that rich people do when they feel sad or whatever. Um, And this sort of viewpoint is, of course, very damaging. And yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: It's just so interesting that she sees therapy as self-indulgent and she can't see her talking her friend's ears off for like multiple blocks as like being indulgent in her own relationship problems. Oh my gosh. Mm
0: -hmm. And not only that, like, why would I see a therapist when I have you guys and we can go get a drink or whatever after like that's self-indulgent and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like, of course you, you know, you want to have those moments with your friends and You know, therapy is not going to fix all of your problems, but it's just going to give you those tools to deal with them. So
1: I do think as well, like just there, there is some privilege that Carrie has friends that wouldn't ostracize her or treat her differently for Mm -hmm. how she's struggling. And I do think that that, um, and you kind of, you mentioned this as well, like there's a lot of like fear of judgment and shame from other people like you know going through mental health struggles or just going through any like difficult time in your life and reaching out for help um and some of that judgment is like literally like from your friends and that fear that they're not going to understand what you're going through and they're going to see you differently or treat you differently as a result so carrie (laughs) also is extremely blessed to have like three people that that love her so much and don't yeah like they they don't judge her or treat her differently for um for any kind of struggle that that she's going through.
0: And she's in this I love that yeah it's a position of privilege and that your friends are 100% there for you and not everyone has that. And of course <laughs> in terms of reciprocating when Carrie walks in on Samantha and the worldwide express guy And of course that is a very like shocking experience and that's not to like, you know, that's to say that Carrie shouldn't feel shocked or kind of like confused. Like that's a jarring experience. I agree with her on that, but I think it, it was the like the expense or like the jokes that were made at the expense of Samantha when they were very clearly hurting her feelings and you know, treating her in a certain way and looking at her through this lens of judgment, like, (laughs) Samantha would never do that to Carrie. Like, Carrie really is in this, like, privileged position of, like, not being, feeling shame or judged by her friends, but doesn't give that back to Samantha which you were telling me recently and we were listening to another podcast about it about how that actually makes it incredibly believable that in and just like that or I suppose in between and just like that and the second movie that they would have this sort of rift because there is something between them that sort of clashes in that way
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. All of the think pieces that I've read suggesting that Carrie and Samantha wouldn't have like had such a huge friendship drift, like everything that I've consumed suggesting that that wouldn't be a thing. I like look to this episode, I look to Covergirl, and it's just so fucking clear <laughs> that Carrie judges Samantha. Carrie has kind of a prudish like outlook on sexuality and it's clear in this episode in particular that that comes through and how she treats Samantha and how she jokes about Samantha and how she, she views Samantha's expression of sexuality. And even just, you know, on top of her walking in on Samantha giving the worldwide express guy a blowjob, there's also some like really deep issues in how they each view sexuality. And that comes through with like how Samantha is doing her PR for Carrie's book cover. Mm-hmm. Carrie is like, this is, Samantha puts her in kind of a marabou covered, uh, very old, like 60s lingerie look. And Carrie's like, this is really old fashioned. And also like, there's too much skin like being exposed for me. Like this, this isn't, this isn't for me. And yeah, like that, there's that judgment there. There's that fundamental friction, which I think absolutely is. That's like the starting seed for how I could see their friendship kind of growing adrift and having a major falling out between each other like there is that yeah that that fundamental clash
0: (laughs) oh my gosh absolutely and we did kind of talk about that in our end just like that episodes but yeah I think there were obviously people are upset about Samantha not being there but it is episodes like this where I see that as totally believable um is there anything else I think you had a thought about Carrie.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. So Carrie kind of, I mean, as much as we like to talk about Carrie and all of her faults and foibles, I do think one of the most wise things that she has ever said was her imparting thought from the series finale, which was also my grad quote. Um, and in essence, it was like the greatest relationship that you're ever gonna have is the one with yourself. And if you can find someone to love that you, that you love, that's just fabulous. Like that's great on top. Mm-hmm. Um and I love that sentiment so, so much, but I really wish that her character at some point in the series and the movies and then just like that could just make that connection that therapy is part of the relationship with yourself or like therapy can be seen as part of that. It doesn't, it's not just self-indulgent. Like therapy is like that commitment to loving yourself and working on yourself. And, you know, you have to live with yourself your whole life. Like therapy is that that space, that time, um, to be able to, to tackle some of those like really emotionally tough obstacles or complex relationships. Um, yeah. And I just, (laughs) I wish that 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 could be like a stronger connection or at least a point of growth for her character, um, at some point during the show.
0: Absolutely. It's so interesting. I mean, we did that self-perception episode, like being able to see yourself in the same way that your friends see you and being able to like love yourself in the same way that others do. But Carrie just kind of, <laughs> kind of lives on her own little like plane of reality somehow. <laughs> and like you said, like I really wish there was sort of this like connection to that quote, because yes, it's a fabulous quote and it makes so much sense, but we don't really see the evidence of Carrie actually like, being able to like see that as a step or like being able to like take therapy as a step. And it's not even just like therapy specifically. It's like, you know, you see Charlotte like looking for the book to help herself or you see Miranda, you know, something's upsetting her about her weight. She used to be a runner, et cetera. So she's like, trying to take these steps to like feel more like herself but Carrie just very much <laughs> I, know, I don't I really don't mean to shit on Carrie so much because like I said I related to her for a really long time and when I re that I was like that was me and I know what it's like it's almost like I just want to beg her like Carrie you could you could be so much happier <laughs> Like, you could have the tools to deal with all these things. Like, it's it's almost like me talking to myself in my early 20s. Um, well,
1: yeah. just, like, it would be so much less work for her. Like, <laughs> all of the, like, theorizing and, like, investigating of, like, what went wrong in a relationship and trying to understand men or, like, all these people that she's dating. Like, I don't know. Maybe it could be a little bit easier <laughs> if you, like, put in just a little, little extra work on, on your behalf into how you treat other people
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: um another thing comes up in
0: this episode this is a little off topic but carrie says to samantha like when they're trying on or when she's trying on like the pink little poofy getup, and then she says to samantha and this is part of their rift she says it's time for our sorry it's time for ladies our age to cover it up and i literally have had a friend say this to me, like almost word for word, like, I can't wear shorts like that. Like I'm 30, or I can't do this, I need to cover it up. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) I just like, I don't know, I'm firmly of the belief that you should be able to wear whatever you want. And you should feel you shouldn't feel that sort of like shame and judgment from other people or that shame or judgment upon yourself. It's like, and not to say that Carrie should be like running in the streets wearing this pink getup or whatever. And if it's not her, it's not her. But there's something that's kind of like ageist that she says here it's time for people our age to cover it up. And like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I. it's really interesting that that's the moment where she says that because, it, and like how Samantha perceives it as well, because Samantha as a character is. Known for wearing a, a lot of like really flashy, um, really uh, exposed outfits, and like there's no comment, you know, when Samantha shows up after Carrie gets broken up with Burger in like a Sex Pistols like jumpsuit with like uh, like the neckline like cut down to her navel and like no back, like there's no comment there, but there is when the outfit like really in some way like kind of correlates to sexuality and I I do agree with you like I think that there's there is some ageism there and like some really like old perspectives of like yeah what what sexuality is like appropriate for certain ages um -hmm. and just as somebody who loves fashion Mm -hmm. (laughs) and clothing um Like I I really hate those kinds of like rules that I I hear kind of like float around so often. Like I can't wear that. Like I'm this age or like Navy and black, those don't go together. I can't wear that. Like those kinds of rules are just kind of silly. (laughs) And you know what, like this is still something that is part of like a, like a cultural conversation. Like I I've watched the new queer eye and that comes up a lot when Tan is giving fashion advice to, to different people just like, Oh, like you can, you can still be yourself, but you can cover up a little bit more and like still be, be sexy or something. And yeah, there's like, there's weird uncomfortability of like, I want everybody to be able to express themselves as freely as they want, (laughs) you know? (laughs)
0: Of course. Yeah. I mean, as Samantha says, I will not be judged by you or society. I will wear whatever and blow whomever as I want, as long as I can breathe and kneel. I love this quote so, so much. <laughs> Cause it's, it's just like words to live by. I mean, maybe like, yeah, what there shouldn't be any judgment. There shouldn't be any shame associated with her sexuality and vice versa. Like back at Carrie, like, You know, if Carrie doesn't feel comfortable wearing that, that's fine. But I think it's the fact that is sort of like not reciprocated in the right way, like with each other.
1: I think just to to piggyback on to what you were just saying, like, I think that Samantha's reaction to Carrie there is kind of some of that internalized sense of this is what society tells me that I should, this is what society is telling me that I should, I I shouldn't wear this or like, I shouldn't act so sexual, but Samantha, you know, kind of says, fuck that and like does whatever she wants and has a really strong sense of confidence. But I think in that moment, Carrie saying that to her was particularly impactful because it wasn't just, you know, it was like kind of this delivery of a message that I think Samantha gets like all around her all the time, but it was coming from a friend and someone that she really loves and trusts. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that sense of judgment is particularly hurtful and, and harmful, you know, when that's coming from somebody that, that you thought like you yeah you you really trusted you really loved like you would never judge them in the same way um so yeah I I just I I agree (laughs) I agree with your point you should be able to wear and express yourself however you please but yeah as a friend maybe yeah careful (laughs)
0: oh of course and it's like as much okay it always makes me think of this like random comment I saw on Reddit, like over 10 years ago, but it like sticks out in my brain. And it was, you'd think less of people or no, sorry, you'd think less about what people thought of you if you realized how little they did. And Samantha says something similar in CoverGirl, of course, when they go to the bookstore. And they're like, when Carrie's making those judgments on all those people like all these authors and their pictures on the front of their books. And Samantha says to Carrie, people aren't that mean. And then of course opens up a magazine and says like, Oh my gosh, she looks horrible. Who's her stylist? Kind of like counteracting the fact that people aren't that mean. But I think like honestly, and of course this is purely anecdotal, but I think that people aren't that mean. I think that people don't think as much about that kind of stuff as, like, you think that they do, um, like, when it comes to strangers, but yeah, you're absolutely, (laughs) you're absolutely right, like, going back to, like, Samantha is so particularly hurt, because these are things that she can sort of, like, um, you know, like, brush off without any worry when society sort of places these negative, uh, like images upon her basically but when it comes from a friend or somebody that you love it's just like particularly hurtful
1: yes very yeah very very that and yeah if it comes from yeah somebody you love like a friend or a parent or like just anybody that that you really really trust like that's the shit that like hurts and and really really sticks with you Mm -hmm. um yeah and Like you said, like it's totally fine if that's not Carrie's view of sexuality. It's totally cool if you know, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. But yeah, it's you just you I I wish in that episode she would have chosen her words like more particularly, and especially how often she just joked and like tried to make light of the situation and like completely not paying attention to how Samantha was feeling and just not like there was no acknowledgement of of the way that samantha could feel hurt by by that comment or that situation just constant deflecting with with jokes and comments and yeah
0: yeah. did she even say sorry i i think that they had a moment i feel like samantha said she was sorry because then of course she walked in on stanford and marcus and had the same experience so i think it was samantha who first apologized
1: I mean, with like, with some therapy, with some tools, I would hope that Carrie could be able to like recognize some of those situations and like have a little bit, a little, a little touch more humility in how she approaches, like not even just relationships, but just her own friendships and the people that she loves and cares about so much. Like, yeah, like you were saying earlier, that that ability to like self-reflect and like acknowledge, like relationships are uh, not, one-sided or at least like a healthy relationship shouldn't be so yeah being able to like recognize the the part that she's playing in that um i think would have been real helpful
0: (laughs) yeah i would absolutely love to see that in season two of and just like that i would love to see carrie work through her internal shame and her internal like fear of therapy and just like shop around for the perfect one or I have a feeling she's probably just going to end up relying on SEMA a little bit.
1: <laughs> I think she's just going to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Shopping cures <laughs> <shares> everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, DM us a post now. And
0: don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Hate Us Pod.
1: And we will talk to you all very soon. <laughs> you will hear us very soon. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> goodbye. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs>